All right. We're going to Luke chapter 5, people. Luke chapter 5, 1 to 11. Could take us a little while. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Okay, so I would say here, if you're a connect group leader, if you are anybody who is considered a minister in this house and Pastor Dan and Ebony, people are hungry for the word of God. It isn't, it isn't just that we've got some nice thoughts and leadership principles and ways to live that are going to be bright. The Word of God feeds the spirit and the soul of a human being. It's like air for lungs. It's like food for the stomach. The Word of God nourishes the inner man of anybody who's listening to it. So read the Scripture and preach out of the Word of God. So people were hungry for the Word. And, and it, you know, credit to them, not just for miracles, not just for signs and wonders. A lot of people, if they hear about signs and wonders and supernatural things, they'll rush off to, to get a hold of that. But here, these people are hungry for the message, for the Scripture. Number two, verse two, he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. <clears throat> then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked them to put out a little from the land. He sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. Kind of interesting that Jesus is teaching and they are washing nets. And, and it's important for a fisherman to wash nets. Now, here's the thing. We in the church are a net. We are a net. We have somebody at our right hand. We have somebody at our left hand. We answer to somebody who is leading us. And we're responsible for people underneath us. That's pretty much the network of what relationships we should be in. If I can't identify who I'm accountable to or who I've got somebody who's feeling responsible for me or who will pray for me, I need to actually structure my life up so that there's somebody in that position. I mean, for a lot of people, it would be their father in their family. But for some, their father is absent or not there. And, and so somebody needs to be there that I can actually share my life with, that I can be answerable to and say, hey, you know, how am I doing? But there should be also somebody that I'm like that to, that I'm responsible for. I feel like I need to ring them up once a week. I feel like I need to write them a letter that encourages them. Just see how they're doing. It may be, it might be 10 people. It could be a couple people up here. And then there's got to be people at my right and my left, friends that are walking with me, that are my peers, that I connect with, that I join. And I got to tell you, the greatest poverty in the world today it's not financial poverty, it's relational poverty. And it's, it's at an all-time low. In England, they've appointed a minister for loneliness. It is such a, such a, a horrific thing. Now, when I was a young, young adult, we just got married, you know, you're painting up your house. You'd say, hey, I'm having a paint party. And everybody would grab a brush and you'd come around, you have the paint, you know, paint and you have a few pizzas. Now you go online and you... You get these tradies to outbid each other to come and paint your house for you. And there's no like connection. It's just a financial transaction. When you're going to move house, yeah, hey, everybody, I'm moving. So they all come around with trucks and everything. But these days you just look on YouTube or find somebody to actually do it. And people aren't bonding. Emotional bonding is one of the deepest needs that every human has. And if we aren't, if we don't have that glue between us and one other person on earth, we're going to feel so isolated. 
Now, somebody said to me, like, there are some books about people who have died and have gone to heaven or hell and they've come back. And I'm not sure if you've come across any of those. I've met people, two people who have been that, and I have no reason to disbelieve them uh, because they're genuine, good people who weren't trying to actually, they didn't have any other agenda other than to tell me. And uh, two of those guys we've had in our church, one was an accountant, and he's the most boring person to listen to. He was not a flash preacher at all. When he first got up, I thought, why did I get this guy? My God. And he spent 23 minutes in hell. And so he talked about it. Uh, but and, and it became, his boringness made him more believable, though, because he wasn't trying to spruik it or anything like that. He was just like, and then I went to him, and it was very dark. And, 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 uh, <laughs> and then, but he said, like people think when they go to hell, they're going to have a big party with all their mates. He says, nah, nothing like that. He says, everybody is so absorbed and obsessed with their own pain and, and grief about their remorse and regrets. They don't even know anybody else is in, in there. Everybody's completely isolated, completely on their own. And so this is, you know, these are realities beyond this world that we don't want to kind of believe, but they're there. And, and, and some people are already experiencing hell on earth because they're so isolated. There's nobody to share their life with or share their pain with. And that is something that the devil will try to do to you to, to, to attack you. I mean, you know, uh, what's his name? The, the guy with the raspy voice who does the wildlife things. David Attenborough. Right, when David is, is, is talking like, you see the, the lion? Look at the lion. Yes. And look at the zebras. Yes, there they are. Oh, there's one wounded little zebra way off on his own. Who's the lion going to attack? The flock? No, he's going after the wounded eyes. Look, there he goes. Oh, whoops, he's dead. <laughs> right? The Bible talks about that. It says, the devil, like a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. Whom may he devour? The isolated person. Person who's just trying to do their Christian life all on their own. Impossible. Can't do it on your own. It's a people-friendly following. You, you do it together. Our Father, who is in heaven, forgive us. Give us our day, our daily bread. Lead us. We're doing this together. And so getting our, our lives bonded together is super important. So, so in this net, of that these guys are washing and cleaning and repairing. When there's a breach, you, you heal, you sew it up, you fix it, otherwise the fish swim right through. And, and when, and always, my God, the devil is trying to just divide Christians all the time. The biggest level of argument and malice and, and furious statements on Facebook is between Christians, not unbelievers. I mean, what is that about? When we have a breach, we need, we need to heal it. If you're out of sorts with somebody, go and say sorry. Don't be so proud. Go and say, oh, I'm blue it. I'm sorry. Own it. 
What do you want to carry around that, that mess for? But on the other hand, if somebody has done something against you, forgive them. One day I'll get them. What are you doing that for? That's just killing you on the inside. Forgive them. But they haven't said sorry. Well, God forgave you before you said sorry. And if you don't forgive them before they say sorry, that's the kingdom way. That's why it's, that's why it's a bit challenging because you're waiting for them to say sorry. But no, you forgive them before they say sorry. Why would I do that? Because if you don't, if you're like, when they turn up and they say, hey, look, I'm sorry. And you go like, yeah, well, you should be. Because you haven't forgiven them. Yeah, well, I said, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I don't know if sorry's going to cut it. I think, you know, we need to actually go a little look into this thing. You know that, well, I said, I'm sorry. And so now it's all messed up. You're back where you started. So the father had already forgiven the prodigal son on his way home. You might have a son who's wounded you. Forgive him today. Just let it go. Some of you got a divorce a number of years ago and you still hate Michael. He's remarried. He's moved on. You're reliving and regurgitating it. It's just, it kills you on the inside. Forgiveness is the key. Forgive them. Let it go. I forgive people every day. I mean, you think you think you got some people in church who've wounded you. Let me tell you. You want to sit down for a couple of hours? I mean, yeah, I mean, I could, but I got to forgive them. Oh, it's so hard, right? Oh, I need the Holy Ghost because I just want to hate them. I just want to bless them with a brick. Idiots, my God, how do you forgive somebody you don't want to forgive? You hate them. They deserve judgment and they deserve Sodom and Gomorrah on them. They need fire and brimstone. And they're completely, complete idiots. They don't even see that they've done wrong. So I just say every day, I forgive everybody everything they've ever done to me. I let it all go. I could, I could hover on this subject for a while, but I'm not going to because it's so important. But you gotta, you got to heal up. And you might find that that person becomes your deepest friend because redemption is always better than the original. And when, when, when you start to actually heal up, and, and, and some, some of you, between husbands and wives, you're still holding on to that thing and it's so hard to let it go. Forgive them. You know, they didn't say sorry. Forgive them without it. So we live free. And it, it can be painful. Of course, it, yeah, it, it hurts. And, and I've sat with some people who've had the most atrocious things done to them. I mean, the worst you can imagine. And it's the hardest thing for me to say, look, this is the only way through it. Because I want to go and shoot the guy. I want to go. And I think, like, I get self-right. I get, you know, indignation. I think, my God, we, we need to do something. But I think... That's not the way through this. Even though it hurts and it's painful, it heals the wound. And what you've got to do is, is like when there's a cut in your body, you stitch it up. That's called closure. And, and, and so you've got to forgive, close it. But then you need, you need antiseptic on it so it doesn't get infected. So you've got to hang out with antiseptic Christians. Don't hang out with the septic crowd. There is a septic crowd. 
Don't hang out with them. They poison and infect that thing. So being an antiseptic Christian is pretty important. Amen. Non-toxic. Okay. So he's teaching them because I'm talking about them fixing up their nets. And now we've got strong nets. All the, all the relational breaches are healed up. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Ah, this is interesting, right? When Jesus tells you something and you got an objection, launch out in the deep, let down your net for, nets for a catch. Ah, Lord Jesus, you, you know, like we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. And a lot of us in this room could say those same words. I've been working hard at my business all through the dark times of COVID. I've come up empty-handed. I'm a pastor. I've worked hard all night, but I've still caught nothing. I've been on my own. We've been through the darkness. We've been through the cold. We've come up empty-handed. And Jesus says, now, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. So Peter decides he'll patronize Jesus. And I know he's patronizing him. So, all right, all right, all right. I'll get out. Because he only takes one net. And Jesus said, nets, plural. You need to get ready for a bigger miracle than the one you think you're getting. So here he is. And, and, he, and Peter's like, he, he's, he's, not up, he's not happy. He wants to go home and have bacon and eggs, which is pretty liberated for a Jewish person. But, but <laughs> here he is. Okay, so he's sitting there and he's, he's just rowing. Like under his bed, what's up? Follow Jesus. What a stupid idea that was. He's a carpenter. I'm the fisherman. You know, what would he know about fishing? All right, I'll put it down in the shallows. So he throws it out in the shallows. And Jesus says, I said the deep pit. You want deep? I'll give you deep. He's, he's off into the middle of the lake. This is seven kilometers wide, this lake, Gennesaret. And he says, see, there are no fish out here. The net falls on the on the lake, and he feels it pull. He looks down. There's a whole school of snapper have come into the net. He goes, no. Where did he wishes it hadn't happened. He wanted to be proven right. But, oh, my God. And then barracudas start coming in. And then there's a big white orca whale puts his nose in there. And then there's to, the porpoises and turtles and and. A flock of geese fly in there from the, the net is just bulging, like, and he's standing on the front of the boat and they're screaming around, like, like hi guys, you know, like skiing. Well, he crunches up on the shore. Okay, so that's a tad exaggerated, people. He's, he's, he's on the shore, bowing, broken on his knees. He says, Oh God, forgive me. I, I never thought that could happen. I didn't believe that my business could be blessed like this because he was, that was his business. And he's a businessman at this point. He's not like a re religious preacher on the day of Pentecost. He's just a guy doing his business, like you and your business. But he heard God speak to him. He did what God told him to do. And he got a huge miracle. And it broke the net. It was so big because he didn't, believe that he needed nets. And so getting ready for the future, a church of 3,000 people, better have a lot of leaders. 
Better have a lot of connect groups. Better have a lot of nets and networks getting ready for a move of God, for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Right around the world, we are anticipating a million worshipers every weekend. We have about 120,000 right now. But that's only, only, only a few years away. We'll see that. Somebody's got to believe that the church is going to rise in this hour rather than peter out. I'm believing that we will see its finest hours in the days to come. The church all over the world is going to explode and expand. There's a lot of pressure coming against it, but that's good for us. We've been too complacent, too lethargic, too accepting. Oh, yeah, we're all respected and happy. But once there's a bit of pressure and you've got to stand for Jesus, it's certainly going to put a filter between true disciples and those who are just playing the game. And for you and I to actually say, yeah, Lord, we're going to get ready. I'm going to get my life ready. I want to be available. I mean, if I, if I brought to my kid a, a broken down bike with a busted wheel and a, no seat on it and flat tire, say, here, kid, here's my bike. Well, that's like what a lot of us are coming to God with saying, here's my life. He says, well, you know, I can't really ride it. I can't really use it. You need to. Present yourselves wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So it's like we come to God ready. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready for you to do whatever you want with me. I'm surrendered. I haven't got another agenda. I haven't got a couple of oxen I need to go try out. I haven't got a house that I'm going to build. I haven't got other stuff. Anything you want, I'm here ready for you. And so... They caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. They asked their partners to come and help them. They filled both boats. They began to sink. I mean, the the miracle is in the abundance. The miracle, I mean, I, I have wrestled all my Christian life with people who think poverty is more pious than being blessed. They think it's better to be a poor Christian. It's more holy. You're not gonna achieve a lot. You know, I mean, if you think that's more pious and it's way more, you're not going to get as criticized at all. But once you have netfuls of fish and churches that are so full, they're overflowing. I'm not just meaning with people, but with money and with resources and with everything else. It is, it is unbelievable how people fight to be poor, fight to be depressed. And, and fight to be negative, as though these things are somehow a more Christian religion. But the miracle is in abundance. If they'd gone out and thrown the net over and two little mullet had swum in, whoa, Jesus, it's a miracle. Well, maybe, I don't know. It's not that great. <laughs> two fish or three fish or whatever. The fact that a huge abundance that broke the net and sunk the boats. That, that abundance is where the miracle, and, and you, should, you should understand that Jesus was the cause of it. He said, go there and you'll prosper. Do this and it's going to overflow. How many of us as business people, as fathers, as family members, as mothers, look to the Lord and wait for Him to tell us something that will guide us, but most of the time we don't even bother to ask. Or look, we just say, yeah, I'm going to do this and then I'll do that and then I'll... What if we just said, Lord, I'm committing my way to you. Guide me. And you'll find yourself, it doesn't matter whether you're ordinary or extraordinary. His guidance is what makes the difference. These were expert fishermen, 
But his guidance, if you follow that, what could happen? Shall I buy this house? Shall I marry that girl? Shall I marry this guy? Shall I, you know, but you see, there's the, there's the thing, right? Right there. Because I just touched the most serious nerve in our whole life. If you ask him, I want to marry him, God. What do you think? Oh, God. What if he says no? Yeah, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. Oh, that's what a lot of people do. Right? Oh, I felt that. Yeah, that can't be God. No, it's the devil. And, uh, and, but you find you married the devil. And, uh, fake believer or whatever. See, see, but we so want to do our own thing. And so sometimes just, we just pretend to be surrendered. Yeah, God, what do you want me to do? Oh, whatever. And uh, I'm going to go and do this anyway. And so being surrendered and broken to the Lord means, I'm gonna, even though I might object to it, I'm like Peter, nevertheless. And you got to have the right nevertheless in your life. Rather than have the, in the Old Testament, the land is good, nevertheless there are giants. That's the wrong nevertheless. In the New Testament, Peter's saying, there's nothing out there, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to go. I've got problems with it. I'm finding it difficult. It's challenging for me. I don't understand why you'd say that to me, Lord. Nevertheless, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go through with whatever you're guiding me to do. And then I'm coming to a close. <laughs> Thank you. We're coming to a close, people. And so, so Simon Peter, this, this brought him to repentance. It's kind of cool, right? That a miracle makes you think, oh, God, I'm, I'm such an unbeliever, such a doubter. Thanks, the band can come. If you're new here, the people are walking down the side. They're not walking out. <laughs> Just uh, uh, actually coming up on the stage to create a little mood music and uh, <laughs> as we come to the close. I won't try talking while they're all coming because it's always more fascinating <laughs> watching people coming on a stage, right? <laughs> it's very difficult to not watch. Well, like good-looking people, I understand, you know, yeah. Yeah, now just stay there and don't do anything, all right? Yes, thank you. So here's the thing. Jesus says, hey, Peter, and this is down in verse 9. They're astonished at the catch. Verse 10, Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. That's pretty interesting. So the whole miracle wasn't about fishing. The whole miracle wasn't about Catch and fish. It was to show Peter that when it's been hard to win people, to get people to church, when it's been hard to actually get a lot of people saved, that actually I want you to have a visual picture, Peter, and experience what I can do because it's not about fish. It's about people. From here on, just like you've won these people, you're going to win huge numbers 
of people into the kingdom of God. And you sitting here today, if you will listen to the Lord about how to reach your family, how to reach your friends, he'll guide you. Because he's interested in nothing more than reaching your friends and bringing them into his eternal kingdom. He died for every one of them. We're good. We're here. We're in. Now he wants to use us to win them. So that whenever we are doing anything that is like in church life or whatever that we could invite a friend to, just look to the Lord and say, how can I do this? He might say, just wait a little while. Or he might say, do it today. He, he might say, ring them up now. Tell them to come. And you'll find that you become part of that net that actually draws in thousands and thousands of people. There, there might be some of you here today who have who've been away from God. You know, and this is your first time back in church for a while. Or you, you might never have prayed a prayer that says, Come into my life, Jesus. I would like to follow you. I want you in my world. And you're feeling like, that's, that's important. I need to do that. There, there could be some here today who, like you go to church, but you're not sure if you're going to heaven. You, you hope you are. You think you are. You're a good person. That's great. But you're not convinced about eternity. So in a couple of moments, I'm going to ask, you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes right across this hall, if you could right now. And those of you who have never asked Jesus to come into your life, never been born again, or if you've been away from God and you're coming back, or if you're just not sure, you're going to heaven right now, wherever you are, would you raise your hand for me? And I'm going to pray for you. Just raise it up high. Thank you. Who else is there? Just raise it and say, yeah, that's me. I want to know that Jesus is in my life. I want to know that I'm born again. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I'll wait for anybody else who's going to raise their hand. Just put it up and say, that's me. I want Jesus in my life here today. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want us all to pray that prayer so that those who are saying, yeah, I want Jesus in my life too, to actually welcome him into your heart today. Can we all say this, dear God in heaven, I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. As we come to a close, I want to, because I've touched on a couple of things about business people here today, if you're struggling in any area with your finances, let's all stand up. If you're struggling in any area to do with, with your business or finances or provision in your life, can you just lift your hands up to God? Just reach out to Him, and I'm going to pray for you as we get to a close here. Heavenly Father, I believe that your mighty power comes upon every one of these men and women whose hands are lifted to you in this house today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for breaking through in their lives. Heavenly Father, let the power of the Holy Spirit pour out over every one of these. In the name of Jesus, I believe for a miracle. The power of God will change their lives, will bring victory where there's been defeat. 
Lord Jesus, there'll be a massive outpouring of the miraculous on all of these lives in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, we praise you. Heavenly Father, we bless you. Lord Jesus, we magnify and we glorify you. Father, we praise you for the outpouring of your spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.